Let's talk about Kidney Kids as a podcast to discuss pediatric kidney disease and the impact it has on families. In addition to services supporting the kidney community, like our first episode, we will also explore the stories told through the person who has been diagnosed with kidney disease and or a caregiver or loved one that is supporting someone with pediatric kidney disease. The interviewee is telling their story through their own perspective. We always encourage you to do your own research and discuss ideas that you may hear in this podcast with your own medical team. I am Jill Brown, your podcast host, the executive director of Northwest Kidney Kids, and a board member of Transplant Families. I'm also a living donor to my daughter, Kylie, who had her transplant at three years old. Today's guest is Naomi Morrow, a parent of a child, Ethan, born into in-stage renal disease. She's also the mom to Lucas and McKenzie. She lives in the country in southwest Washington with her husband, Chad. And today we talk a little bit about Ethan's journey to transplant, but the focus of today's episode is on organ donation. Naomi and her family experience in deciding to pursue transplant as a treatment, waiting for the call for a deceased donor, and connecting with the family five years after transplant. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, Naomi, to the podcast. Thank you, Naomi, for coming on our podcast. Let's talk about Kidney Kids. Why don't we get started by you telling us a little bit about your story and your journey with kidney transplant? My Well, I was pregnant with my son when we initially got his diagnosis. I was about 20 weeks pregnant when we were given the diagnosis that Ethan would most likely need a kidney transplant when he was born. And we went to OHSU to maternal fetal medicine. And we saw them I like a million times before we even had him. And then he was born. And at about five days old, he started what they call peritoneal dialysis. And he underwent that until he was about 36 months old, so about two and a half. And then at that time is when he received his deceased donor kidney. Wow, that's a lot to go through when you from 20 weeks pregnant to give birth and trying to figure out all the what all this means, right? <laughs> yeah. What was the first few years like with a newborn and a small under two-year-old on dialysis? It was pretty rough. For Ethan, he was pretty different. When he was born, he spent about seven weeks um, at OHSU. And we also have an older son who at the time was about two. So he pretty much lived with my mother-in-law. While we stayed at the hospital with our son, we spent seven weeks living in a hospital and then we finally got to bring him home. When we finally got to bring him home, it was a lot of weekly doctor's appointments with the dialysis clinic. Because he was doing peritoneal dialysis for about 16 hours a day, his motor skills didn't develop like normal. He was slow to roll over and slow to walk and things like that. We did a lot of physical therapy and a lot of feeding therapy because he never ate or anything like that. So it was a lot of doctor's appointments prior to transplant. Our dialysis journey was pretty easy though. He didn't have any infections or complications with dialysis. When he was on dialysis, he maybe was inpatient for the two and a half years that he was on dialysis. I think he was admitted into the hospital two or three times and that was mainly for 
dehydration common with kids that are on dialysis, whether it's peritoneal or hemodialysis. But her, I feel like our dialysis journey was really easy compared to a lot of other kids. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. We we did mm-hmm. HD or hemodialysis only. And yeah. I remember dehydration. That was definitely how much fluid do you take off? How much fluid do you stay, leave on? And what's the heart rate? Yeah. And what's the blood pressure? And um, it's a lot of weighing too. Like you weigh them before you put them on dialysis. And then you check their blood pressure so you know what fluid to put them on. And then you weigh them after. So it's a lot of like, they get so used to like being weighed all the time and getting their blood pressure taken all the time and all that fun stuff that comes with it. I know you, since I know you personally, I know that you also work in the healthcare field. Do you feel that yeah. your training from that helped you with keeping Ethan home too, as far as infection control? Yeah, I feel like that helped a lot because we were, we... Another thing that we dealt with too, with being on, with our dialysis and the company that we went through a lot of nurses during our journey with dialysis. So we, we had a total of four different dialysis nurses and our initial dialysis nurse taught us to be over cautious when it comes to germs. So when we cleaned our equipment and we cleaned his extension pieces, we over cleaned. So I feel like that helped a lot with preventing infections. While now when I talk to some of the families, they're like, oh yeah, we do barely clean. And I'm all like, like being overly cautious and like triple washing your hands and all this stuff to prevent stuff. But yeah, I feel like being in the healthcare helped a lot. And then our very first nurse, she was like overly cautious. And I think that helped us a lot too. That makes sense. When you guys, um, I think we always say, transplant isn't a cure, it's a treatment, but it's also a treatment that most of us pursue. So from day one, I'm guessing that you guys knew you guys either would be transplanted at some point. What was that journey like to transplant? Transplant for us was pretty long compared to a lot of other people that I've talked to. So when he was 16 months old, he got referred to transplant. And that like most people know was a lot of appointments. It's You get your blood drawn, you get ultrasounds, x-rays, all this stuff. But with Ethan, he has another medical condition where he doesn't have a bladder. So he had to go through extra testing. Our transplant workup took took about four months. And then when he was listed, he was put on the list in September and was listed for about 11 months before he got transplanted. And our wait was really long and we had four close calls and it was really frustrating for us because we saw so many other people that waited a week, two weeks, a month, less than we did get their transplant faster. So eventually I pursued, we pursued a couple living donors at the beginning, but they were denied because of age or we had one that accidentally got pregnant she didn't know him at the time but we did try the living donor and that didn't work and then once we were getting close to the year mark I started getting worked up to do the paired donor exchange because I decided that if about a year if he hadn't been transplanted and he's and at the end of the 11 months he started to get really sick We were going to the hospital more. His labs were looking 
worse and worse. And it was looking like dialysis wasn't staying stable for him. So I was looking at trying to do the pair donor exchange to hopefully get him a match sooner. But lucky for us, we were, we got our final call. I think it was three days after kidney cancer. <laughs> but yeah, our, our transplant, that part was really, was a big, it was a very like stressful because you're like constantly waiting by that phone. You're anytime OHS, like you saw that 503 number, you like stopped what you were doing and you were, yes, you didn't know who it was. You didn't know if it was transplant or if it was just the doctor or the pharmacy just calling you. You had no idea who was calling you. I only knew it was transplant because they would call me by my middle name, but <laughs> that's but yeah. funny. Once you got that call, what was the, what happened? They, they called you, they said, we have a deceased donor, potentially. It's that whole process like? We got our, we got one call where they said we were a backup. And then they eventually called us and told us we weren't. And then we got another call when we were in Seattle for Mariners game. And they were like, yeah, we'll give you a call later today. And then they called us and they were like, something with a cross match didn't work. Finally, we got the call and they told us that we have two hours to get to OHSU. And we live about an hour and 45 minutes. At the time, we were having major construction done on our road. So that increased our time to like three hours. But luckily, the construction was right outside our front door. So I flagged down our flagger and the guys literally drove us all the way down to our freeway, which is a half an hour. They just drove us straight onto the freeway so I didn't have to wait for any of the traffic. When we finally got there and we got checked in, they came and they told us that they were waiting for the kidney to get transported. And then that next day we were going to get our kidney and that we had to hook up for our very last dialysis. And that was like one of the craziest experiences ever because we were just like, this is the last time we're going to do this like the very last time. And it was just a very emotional experience from the call to getting to the hospital for him getting back to surgery. It was so fast. It was just fastest experience. When you, what were some of the challenges that you guys faced after transplants? I know that's where your journey gets a little bit more complicated. Yeah, our journey post-transplant was rougher than our donor's journey. Like people say, transplant isn't a cure, and it is not a cure. It is just another form of treatment for kids that have chronic kidney disease. And for Ethan, his, his transplant journey has been really rough. Within three months of getting his transplant, he started to develop donor-specific rejection. And then he got this thing called BK which is a nasty infection that we've all got it, but for kids that have, or anybody that has a transplant, it can damage your kidney. Ethan has a different anatomy and he doesn't have a bladder. It took a lot of treatment for him to get rid of it. He underwent twice weekly infusions for a year to get rid of the BK. And he went through, I think it was like, once a month, he got admitted for an overnight stay for the treatment for the BK and his antibody rejection. 
but he did that. And then he also, after transplant, he's had multiple bladder and, or not bladder, kidney infections that have gone septic a few times. He's been, he's had more surgeries than he ever had prior to transplant. He's been admitted to the hospital more post-transplant, but his after-transplant was really rough. My husband quit his job because of the treatment that we had to go through. And how is he doing today? How long has, how old is he? To, how old is he now? Oh, he's, he's eight. Yeah. Eight. He just so turned eight. And it's been about yeah. five and a half years since the transplant. Yeah. Yeah, five and a half years. And he's good now. We still battle the antibody rejection here and there. This last year has been pretty good. We haven't had to do any treatments. He deals with like frequent UTIs or we don't call them UTIs because he doesn't have a urinary system. So frequent kidney infection. He does that a lot, but yeah, he's been pretty good this last year. This last year has been pretty good to him. 2020 was mad good to him at all. That was a bad year, but. When you think about Ethan's journey and especially with a deceased donor, what was your thoughts after transplant and reaching out to the donor family? I always wanted to reach out to them. When Ethan got transplanted, I wrote them a letter immediately because I knew that we could write them a letter. So I wrote them a letter and gave it to our social worker who gave it to, I think it's, you know, like a division of them that deals with the transplant families and they gave our letter to the family. And then we didn't hear anything back, but every year, the end of the year, I write a letter. I keep, I have a Facebook for our son and. I update our Facebook and keep it. And I write them a letter every year around the time of his transplant, just thanking them because to be able to make that sacrifice, to be able to make that decision at that last minute to donate a family member's organs takes a lot. I mean, you're under a lot of stress in that moment, but so we wrote them a letter and then at year five, I wrote them another letter, but this letter I included pictures of Ethan from before transplant all the way to five years old to eight years old. So all these pictures and just told them everything about him, about how, because of our transplant, Ethan played sports and Ethan's now in second grade and everything like that. We've got a reply back from our donor. This November, we got a reply back from them and they sent us a picture of our donor and our donor was a young person with heart for me. Like I read the letter and I knew that it was an 18 year old male from Idaho. I knew that from the day that we got transplanted, it always broke my heart that a young person inevitably passed away in order for Ethan to continue on. When I got the letter and I got this picture, it was just so much hit more at home. Like, and they wrote all this information about him, just who he was. And everything that he'd gone through in his life, it just made him more real to us. And they offered to meet us and we wanted to meet them. In January, we sent them another letter and gave them all our contact information. We've just been waiting since then. I think that was in January or February that we gave that to them. But yeah, it was pretty eye-opening when we got that. I thought, hey, we gave them a letter. I don't 
think they ever want to know about it. They didn't want to know anything more, but finally I just was like, I got to send them another letter. I just want them to know. They even wrote in their letter that they wanted to write us at the beginning, but it was, it was, they just needed time to heal from the loss of their son before they could reach back out. And they've been meaning to write us. It's been an interesting experience meeting them because you expect something and then when they write you back you're like oh my gosh this is so crazy this is a real you think it's it's a real person but it's so much real when you you can see their face and their history and it's just it's surreal really you're waiting for them to reach back out to contact you directly through yeah. through virtual information and then you hope to meet them yeah. and meet have Ethan meet them yeah so Ethan I know already Oh, I, I was going to say one of the things that comes out common is talking to your child about where their kidney comes from. So how has your family talked to Ethan and what does Ethan understand and know? A diff obviously very different from two and a half. So maybe tell us how that was at two and a half and four and then now at eight. What's changed and how do you talk to a child about where their kidney comes from? With Ethan was first transplanted, he was, like you said, two and a half. So Talking about where your kidney came from was kind of like a foreign thing. We kind of just told him that somebody went to heaven and gave you a kidney, like a gift. And then when he hit about three or four, then we started talking about, we, we talk about his donor every day. We talk about the donor every day because every night we say a prayer for, we say our nightly prayers and we always, every night we end it by praying for us for our donor, we call his kidney, Mr. Bean. So we always say, we pray for Mr. Bean and his family. And we pray that Mr. Bean stays healthy and his family knows that we love them. We always pray for them every night. And as he's gotten older, we talk about it and we talk about how Mr. Bean came from us, came to us after somebody passed away. And the very first time we talked about that, it was, he got really sad because he didn't know why somebody had to die. And I said, nobody had to die. This person, it was their time and they passed away. So instead of those things going away, they were able to give it to you and it helped you and it made you better and made you feel better. And then when we got the letter and we showed him the, we showed him the picture, like me and him sat down and I said, Ethan, we got a letter from Mr. Bean's family. He got so excited mm -hmm. and we sat there and we read it. He cried. He was, I'll tell you, he was very emotional. He cried because he was just upset because it's always upsetting him because he doesn't know why that person had to die. And I was like, Lee, sometimes we die and that's just what the way it works. I showed him a picture of him and we keep the picture of our donor on our fridge. We talk about him every day. We talk about, he likes to play soccer and Ethan is not a very good person at playing sports. He's switched to golf now, but he's talked about wanting to do that maybe because Mr. Bean Mr. Bean was good at it that's I don't that's what he calls the donor he's maybe I'll be good at that and I was like well, maybe you'll get some of those treats and it, but it is first it is a hard subject to talk about because he does get emotional about it and he does cry about it because it is sad to think somebody did die and that he gets to continue living because that happened and that's what he thinks too. He's all like, why did they die? And I get to live. And I said, sometimes that's just that's how it works. And because that person chose to be an organ donor or their family chose to donate it, you get to continue. And 
that's a great gift that they gave you. And that's, that's why he always calls Mr. Bean a gift. He's like, Mr. Bean's my gift. He's just a gift to me. So it is a hard subject. I feel like at any age, I even talking to my older son, who isn't a kidney kid, it's hard for him to talk about it. He doesn't like to talk about it because of the same thing. When you do talk about a deceased donor, you have to talk about death and dying and Nobody ever likes to talk about that. And then you'll have another one asking questions at some point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Enough questions. I think anything else you want to add on the deceased donor and is it the Donate Life Month? We thought this was a perfect episode to talk about this. And um, before we head into our last question. Just the thing with the deceased donor is I hope that everybody becomes an organ donor. If you can do it as a living donor, that's wonderful. But being a deceased donor, they save so many people's lives. And there's so many people waiting for a transplant. There's so many people like Ethan and other kids like him that wait a really long time. And like Ethan, if he had to wait any longer, we don't know what could have happened. Because at the time, at 11 months, he was getting so sick. Just waiting. And with... and. Being an organ donor is a good thing. I mean, we're not taking those with us when we go. So why not just give them away? This podcast is also just about the whole journey with kidney kids and their family. So what would you want to add about parenting a child with kidney disease? Or what advice would you give other parents waiting for transplant? Parenting a kid with kidney disease is hard. It's a lot different. I have friends that are like, if I was in your shoes, I don't think I would be able to do it. But the thing though is you would. Because you're thrown into this. We're, we're just thrown into this situation where we have to go through all this. And you'll do it. You Some days, are they're not perfect. I'm trying to get my kid to take his pills. He looks at me some days like I'm a crazy lady. <laughs> like, you need to, don't forget to drink your water. I am drinking water. You got to drink more. Reminding them to do that on a daily basis is hard. But I feel like if you start the journey at a young age... Making sure that you start things early, start making them drink their water early, start them doing their pill routine early, start that stuff early. I feel like that makes it easier when they get older. Like with Ethan, we transitioned him into pills when he was, I think, six. So now he's eight and it's just like a second routine. Like he literally wakes up, he does it himself and he eats dinner. He takes his pills himself. I have a 10-year-old who takes medication and it's, you fight with them. Having the, him starting routines with them with kidney kids is going to be so helpful. It's going to be way easier. And building relationships with teachers. I think that's another thing too with our kidney kids. Having an open relationship with your kids' teacher, especially in elementary school, having those open relationships with your teachers is going to help you with making sure that your kids are drinking that water while they're at school. It's going to help with making sure that your kids are getting their bathroom breaks because we've been dealing a lot with that at school. Having those, having open communication with teachers, with school, with the school nurses, those things are going to help you also with being a, a kidney parent and making friends with other kidney parents. That's going to be so helpful for you. Because that's our saving grace, having other kidney parents. Because when it comes to our roughest days and our hardest hospital stays, those are the people 
that are always there, that are always reaching out, always willing to give a helping hand are those other kidney parents because they've been there and they're going to, they know exactly how you're feeling. I always come across these like memes about special needs parents. And there's ones that like, here's your doctors prescribing this and that. And then they see you in a hole and they just prescribe you something. And then the next person is like an aide and they're like giving you something. And then here's another special needs parent and they're in that hole with you, helping get you out of it. And that's how it is with kitty dance. They are there to help you. And we are all so getting those relationships with other people that have been there. That's going to be another thing that's going to help. And getting kids connected. Mm-hmm. Kid, connecting kids together. Having Ethan, who's a making friends with other kids that have kidney disease, that is so beneficial for him. Because every year at camp, he gets so excited to see his fellow kidney kids. And it's so nice to see them like talk on their Zoom meetings and stuff because he he loves it because afterwards he's all these these kids are like me they know what i go through because they think they're cool like that they know what i've been through and i'm all like yeah they do and it's and having that connection too with other fellow kidney kids is gonna help them especially as they get older yeah naomi's talking about one of our newest programs at northwest kidney kids or kidney kids connect and siblings connect lucas has joined some of the sibling calls and that happened once a month on common themes, but I, my daughter went to the first one yesterday with, and Ethan was there and a couple other kids. And it was fun to watch them like discuss these issues that are going to be really important to them. Be mindful because we know that our kids need some extra breathing once. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was good. So you mentioned that Ethan has a Facebook page. What's the Facebook page called? And Facebook page is called Prayers for Ethan Marum. Prayers for Ethan Morrow. We'll add that to the blog in the show notes. And then it's he has an Instagram too, right? Yeah. It's all connected because like I have that business one that I can just post. It posts to both. Thanks for coming on the podcast. April is Donate Life Month, a month that we bring awareness to organ, eye, and tissue donation. According to Donate Life America, 1,900 children under the age of 18 is waiting for a variety of organs, and more than 25% of them are under 5 years old, with children between the ages of 6 and 18 years old waiting a kidney, most often from a deceased donor. Many more will never be listed and go straight to transplant as a living donor. I thank Naomi for coming on the podcast and talk about this emotional journey in which her and her family soon. Thanks for joining us. I thank Naomi for coming on the podcast and talk about this emotional journey in which her and her family have gone through while waiting for Ethan's transplant and connecting with their donor family. If you're a family that experiences pediatric kidney disease and you want to talk about your story, please reach out to the podcast, Let's Talk About Kidney Kids. You can reach me at my email, jill at nwkinneykids.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, even TikTok. We hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.